Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting firm RiderFlex. If you enjoyed today's guest interview, please give it a like and be sure to subscribe to the RiderFlex podcast. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Chris Kramer on the RiderFlex podcast. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm good, Steve. How are you doing today? Doing good. Are you uh, in St. Louis today in Missouri? I, I, am, I am in St. Louis, Missouri. It's my, that's my home, and that's where we do our work. You grew up there, right? Have you lived there your whole life, Missouri? Uh, not most of my life. My, uh, my dad was in the service. Uh, both my parents are from St. Louis, but my dad was in the service. So we traveled around a lot. I was born in Staten Island, New York. Um, and then, then we lived uh, along the East Coast, a couple of places, and actually lived overseas for a, almost three years, lived in, uh, in Germany on a little island called Silt off the North Sea. So I, uh, I, I've been told I spoke German before I spoke English, even though I don't remember a word of it. People say it's locked up back here in the recesses of my little scary brain. So um, uh, who knows? One day I may fall and hit my head and start speaking German. So who knows? Interesting, interesting. But you went to high school and college in Missouri. I went to high school and college here in uh, here in, in St. Louis. I uh, went to a place called University City High School. One, we think one of the best high schools here in the entire Midwest, and helped ground me in terms of uh, you know how I kind of come to the work. And then I somehow got into Washington University here in St. Louis and, and got my um, got my uh, undergraduate degree in urban studies uh, from Washington University. I saw that. Tell me, so your dad was a career uh, serviceman? He was, well, my dad was, uh, he paid, he paid, he's been gone a fair amount of time now. He was a stubborn, okay. uh, stubborn German guy. So he stayed in the service 17 years, right? Close, close to retirement, but his commanding officer somehow rubbed him wrong. So he just quit. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of gives you, gives you a flavor of who my dad was. Um, <laughs> Then uh, he wound up uh, working a couple of places, but landed at McDonnell Douglas and then Boeing here here back in St. Louis. So we I moved see. back here when, when I was in, in the in the fourth grade. So my dad was an engineer, um, not by education, but by the work he did his whole life. And then my, my older brother is an engineer by education and kind of what he does for a career. So I was the young, the young, the youngest child. And when I told my dad I was getting a degree in urban studies. I think his direct quote was, what the hell is that? <laughs> and, and what kind of job are you going to get, son? And, and I said, Dad, I don't know. But that engineering gene just kind of flew right past me. So um, my um, my two jobs as a kid at home, you know, on the weekends was to hold the other end of stuff for my dad and then go get him a beer. So I was really I was really good at both of those. I, I was top notch at both of those. Gotcha. Oh, he, so he died pretty young, huh? He, uh, yeah, he died at 66. So he's been gone 20, 20 plus years now, I think. Okay. And how about your mom? My, my mom's still here. Um, she just turned 83. Um, mm. You know, she's starting to, starting, to, starting to fail a little bit, regrettably, but she's still happy. And um, she went into a, um, an assisted living facility about seven, eight months ago, um, okay. close by. So I literally see her just about um every day i try to stop by because it's near near my home so okay. i swing by and try to say hello and chit chat and on the weekends i try to get her out of the facility bring her to my place and uh you know break a little bread and have family and family and some of my friends come by to see her and it always always brightens up her day that's good 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 okay very good and how about yourself married kids kids grown what's the status i am i am, I am not married i have three grown-up children uh nick is 33 jackson is 26 and sophia the princess just turned uh, 24 actually i <laughs> i spent the um i spent the memorial day weekend with her she's in columbus ohio because uh, okay. she went to school there and then my 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 two boys live uh, live here in st louis so yeah oh. three three wonder, wonderful kids and they're you know they're all good kind and decent uh people that um i'm uh, i'm proud to be their dad it's the, be it's the best thing i've ever done i've done some pretty cool stuff in my life but being a dad is the best thing i've ever done yeah Are you a grandpa yet not yet 
Oh man, Any, anytime soon? Anybody? Anybody close? Uh, no. There's probably two I really don't want right now, but there's the third <laughs> one maybe. <laughs> okay, all right. So no grandpa yet. And uh, okay, so so you're single. Wow. All right. So uh, were you married? For, I hope you don't mind me asking. Are you married no, for no. A long? Yeah. No, I, I, I was married two different times. So, you okay. know, I'm, I'm good at some stuff. Apparently marriage is not one of them. So <laughs> we'll, um, I, I, I doubt there'll be a third time down, uh, that, down, down that particular path, but yeah, no, I'm, uh, I am, I am single and, uh, I just turned 60. So it's an interesting time of life to, you know, figure out, you know, where you're going and, you know, uh, what, what, what you're looking for. And, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll be on this journey and we'll, and we'll see where it takes me. Does it suck to be single at 60 right now, especially we growing up because you grew up in the 70s, 80s, and and now you're single and people use these apps and websites and stuff. Does it does it is it weird? I, I don't know. Are you doing how are you doing with it? Is it is it kind of I don't know. Yeah, look, look, at the end of the day, what do what I would I would I rather be in a beautiful, happy relationship? Yeah. Um, but it's okay. Look, I'm 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 in pretty good shape. I I do okay. So yeah, you look good. By the way, you look good. You look I, great. I, yeah, you look I, great. I, you, you... I appreciate that. So um, I get um, look, I I get some attention, which is also good, good, good for the ego. So <laughs> I love we'll, it. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I love Again, it. I, I love look, it. Are I, the forty year old? Are the forty year olds at the gym? Are they looking your way still? And you're like, okay, I see. I see you. <laughs> there's a, a couple, maybe. <laughs> That's okay. It's so great. You know, I had this, I went uh, camping uh, with a good friend of mine. He's 60. I'm 55 and he's 60. He responded and he's in good shape, just like you, good looking guy. And he's been married a couple of times. He responded exactly how you just responded. He said, you know, look, here's, here's the deal. He goes, if you force me to choose what, what I'd like to be in a great relationship and married, the answer is yes. Um, but I'm not rushing it. I'm not forcing it. In the meantime, I'm, you know, I'm having a good time and I'm traveling and I'm, I'm dating. Um, but isn't it, isn't it interesting? I do think most men, the majority of men, we, we do want to be in a, in a loving long-term relationship that's happy and fulfilled, right? Like the whole, the whole dating and I got a different girl every week and everything that, that gets old, that gets old. <laughs> I did. I did that when I was, you know, 18 and 21. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. It was okay back then. It was a different time, right? No, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not interested. In Look, what I think what you what you find uh, the older you get is um, uh, is you want to be happy, yes. right? You want to feel fulfilled, and you want to be with a, a partner that you know um, that that you that you share um, your your respective lives together, and um, you at this stage of life, there's a whole lot of things that aren't aren't quite as important as maybe I thought they were years ago. Um, so, <laughs> I, I, so I don't true. have, a, I don't have a whole lot of patience for, you know, bad energy and negative energy and look, move along. We got, you know, life, life is short, particularly once you turn 60, because none of the birthdays before 60 gave me pause. I'm like, yeah, it's just a number 60. I'm like, shit, mm. that's, that, that, that's a, that's a different number. Right. So <laughs> I, had to, I, had to, so I had to do a little, um, a little more ruminating on that one than the other ones. And at the end of the day, look, um, there's no guarantees. I'm, I'm in good shape, but that doesn't mean, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow could be my, my, my last, uh, my last uh, revolution. Right. So um, we'll, we'll see. So find uh, find your space. Um, I love, I love my work. I love my family. I have, I have a great cohort of, of, of friends of mine, buddies that I've known since grade school and high school. And we're on a, we're on a, we're on a daily text chain and we're always, we're always hanging out and um, we're getting together here next month sometime. So I'm, cool. I'm trying to find value in what really the important things in life are, you know, um, the people you love in your life, the people you care about. And can you make a difference uh, each and every day? In some how are you, life? how are you staying in shape and what's your, what's your hobby? What's your activity? What's your routine? I'm curious. Cause yeah, you're uh, in pretty good shape for 60. I work out. Uh, I work out six days a week, and I, I do it at home because I, you know, the, going to gym is, you know, I, the, too much time. I, I don't have. I, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm an impa- I'm an impatient kind of guy, so I do stretching, uh, yoga, weightlifting, oh. and stationary bike. How's the yoga? I, I mean, is it is it? Are you a fan? I it's mean, it really- it's a real deal. I used to think it was. I used to think it was bogus. I'm like, what is that? That's a, no. <laughs> it's the real deal. Is <laughs> if you do it and 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 press yourself, um, it's it's reshaped my body. 
Um, I've always been just in decent shape. Um, uh, but I've been, I've been doing yoga for about three, four years now. And it, it'll really, it'll, it'll, it'll reshape your body. It'll tone you up in a, in a different way, you know, um, than, than anything else that I've ever done. So yeah, I'm a, I, I'm a convert. I used to, okay. used to, I, used to I used to raise an eyebrow saying that, that that's bogus. You can't, but it's yeah. that. No, yeah. no if some you do your- it right and, and you push yourself, particularly on all the core work, oh, that's hard mm-hmm. stuff. All right. I'm thinking about trying it. By the way, I, Hey, listen, I got, my wife's got family in Missouri and I grew up in Oklahoma. So I know there's some high school buddies that you know that, that you're still friends with. When you told them you're doing yoga, they're probably like, what? What? Do you, what? Yeah. So, right. But here's the deal. They all want to look like I do. So that's right. Yeah. And I promise you, there's a couple of them that don't look nothing like me right now. Right. Like, that's I, true. That's that, so that, might, true. Might, that might be working for that dude. So yeah, actually we've gotten, we've gotten, we, we've gotten a couple of buddies who, who need to drop a few pounds as we're, as we all, as we all get to 60 that. that even like, hey, man, you need to you need to take oh, yeah. care of yourself now. So no let's, let, let's get healthy. I'm curious. So tell me about the urban studies real quick. And before we get into what you know, what you're doing for a living, tell me how why was that a passion for you? Why did you want to go down that route? Was there something that triggered you or, or steered you in that path early on as a young man to want to do that? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. So, um and, you know, there, there was no there was no great epiphany. Right. Um, okay. So in my in my undergrad, I was trying to figure out, OK, what the heck am I going to do? Right. So yeah. I wandered around, took a whole bunch of stuff. I thought about maybe going to business school. Um, yeah. I thought about, thought about going to law school. I took the LSATs. Right. So oh. I, I kept I kept finding trying to find something that that would pique my interest in literally. And, and I was also looking for a couple of classes to get some easy, easy A's, too. Right. So uh, <laughs> there's intro to urban studies. I'm like. Uh, that sounds like I might be able to handle that one. Um, so uh, I took it, uh, and quite frankly, it was, it was interesting. I'm like, all right, this is just some interesting stuff that that I did not think a, a, a lot about because I had I had no 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 background knowledge in, in anything like that. Right? We didn't okay. talk about you know societal issues a lot. You know, my dad was a man of few words. So if you got like two consecutive sentences, it was like a Shakespearean soliloquy. Right? He just he just wasn't into long conversations. All and- those guys, all those guys born in the 30s, anybody born between 30 and 40, they don't they were not talkers. They're not talkers. No. no. <laughs> literally, literally no. Yeah. yeah. He, yeah he, 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 was born, he was born 36. He's like, nope. Yeah. I got yeah, my you know, saying yeah. my dad was born in 37. It's like trying to have a conversation with him it was painful. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, so again, I didn't come from a background of this and we were working class folks, right? You know, I didn't, we didn't, you know, I didn't, my family didn't volunteer at the soup kitchen or anything like that as a okay. kid. I mean, okay. you know, we just, uh, we didn't, I didn't live in a single family house until we bought one. So I bought one. Right. So again, it was like, I didn't, I didn't, re- I didn't recognize, oh, we didn't have a lot. Right. It's that same old adage we have my other people. Right. I never went wanting. Right. But I didn't also mm-hmm. didn't realize, and look, it's a different, day and age right like when i turned 16 i bought my own car with my own money because i had a job yeah right i look at my kids now i'm like (laughs) i I, I bought all of my car i'm like what the hell happened to me right i i I, would i I couldn't even ask my dad for five bucks right it was just just not how it worked back then right he's like you know or or or, or like you know make chicken fingers for dinner in addition to the regular meal no we didn't do that no my dad said, look, if you don't like the meal, you, you, you go, go get a job and, uh, and get your own dinner. If you don't completely, like it, then you move out com- too. Com- completely different uh, world on how fathers yeah. uh, manage their children. My dad was the exact same way. For, I mean, first of all, you ate was whatever was on the plate. You didn't complain. Uh, all of it. Yeah. All yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah. And if you didn't like, if you didn't like it, pack your shit and go. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> A hundred percent. So, so again, so for me, the, 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 the classes were interesting. Um, okay. You know, I, I grew up in, in a very integrated community, um, okay. which, okay. which served me well, I think just in general in life to be around people that all don't look like me. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, uh, I, I had friends that, 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 that looked different than me, that grew up different than me. Um, so look, it was a great grounding and I started kind of, connecting a few dots i'm like oh okay now i kind of see why you know okay. some folks live at uh, uh in that part of town right mm-hmm. right and, mm-hmm. and why in my neighborhood there aren't that many people of color um and if i go to some of some of the neighborhoods where my buddies grew up there there ain't 
there ain't no black folks there, right? So again, mm-hmm. right. Uh, some of the dots just started connecting for me. Um, and then, yeah, go ahead. You know, yeah, that's great. No, it's very good. And then right out of school, so you went to work for the housing authority, like right out of college, didn't you? Yep. It's my first, uh, my yeah. first job. Now, I didn't get it immediately out of college. And my dad, you know, I, I got this fancy degree in all my student loans and I couldn't find a job right away. So my dad was like, uh-huh, I told you. <laughs> So it took me about six six months after graduation to get get this job making sixteen thousand eight hundred dollars a year, and I thought that was the best thing ever. Nineteen eighty six. Just just for reference, just for reference, nineteen eighty six is what Chris is talking about here. Sixteen grand. Nineteen eighty six. I was awesome. thrilled, man. I can pay rent. I'm like I'm good. <laughs> Look, Steve. Uh, I used to I used to think if I made a thousand dollars for every year old that I was. Come on. You're a king. A, You're a king. I'm a retired making 65K, man. I'm like, what? I have yeah. more money that I know what to do with. So, so yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I got to the housing authority and was tickled to have the job. And that's really where a lot of my my learnings um, okay. and really kind of foundational underpinnings about, you know, uh, the organization that I've been so proud to lead for almost 30 years now really came from. Uh, and I wasn't smart enough back then to know I was learning. I just kind of I, and, and after the fact, I'm like, oh. That's what I that's what yeah. I picked up back there. So, yeah. So no, it was a, a great experience. I spent seven years there, um, which was wonderful. I and again, this is for you know folks kind of starting their career, because sometimes I get I get young folks asking me, well, what was your career trajectory? Well, like one, I didn't have one. Right. I need a job. <laughs> I need I need to pay my bills. Um, but I needed something that 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 interested me. Right. And that that gave me a little a little a little juice and gave me a little little excitement. Um, and help me try to understand, you know, uh, the, the, the field that I got in. So for yeah. my first three, three years at the Housing Authority, all I did every day was uh, help people um, get, uh, get certified to be on the Section 8 Rental Assistance Program. I see. Now, okay. Section 8 gets, gets such a bad rap in terms of the, the stigma behind it. Um, but it was single moms trying to raise their kids, okay. right? And, and what I saw, oversimplified, but what I saw was, kind of the two faces of poverty. One, there was a mom who was just absolutely thrilled, like, okay, if I get this housing assistance, I have a roof over my head and boy, things for me and my kids are going to be great. This is the one thing I needed to be my springboard for the kind of success and for the dreams and aspirations that I have you know, for my family. Mm-hmm. The second cohort, again, oversimplified, but the second cohort was um, folks who've just been, been beat up. Life, life is just you know, too hard. Uh, whether it's systemic racism, whether it's systems don't work well for poor people, which they still don't um, in 2022, um, or poor decisions or all the amalgam of stuff, they were just worn out. And they're like, look, if I got a roof over my head, I'm done. That's all I can do. So I was fascinated by, by both those two, two, two subsets, right? One, how to keep fanning the flames of, of, of those folks who are really excited and knew there was something better out there for them. How do you, you know, tell them, yeah, you can do this, right? You know, keep working hard, keep working hard. Uh, there, are, there are better things out there for you and your kids. And for that second group, how do you literally help, you know, pick them up and dust them off and say, no, there's more for you. Um, yeah. you, can do, yeah. you, can do, you can do more than this. And there are people out there who care about you um, and will support you along the way. You have to do your part. Um, but again, don't, don't be satisfied with this. There is more That's for true. you and for your kids. And you moved up into several different positions. Did you do different things there at the housing authority? Yeah, so, so, yeah, so I also learned, I did, I did the, 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 the Section 8 stuff for about three years. Um, okay. And then for the next four years, I ran um, uh, the, the rehab department where we, we gave out grants for, for private developers to, to rehab homes to rent to families. So oh, I, I, learned about, I learned about housing development there. So again, you know, kind of, you know, picked up um, some skill sets, both the first three years was just learning about the population we were served. And the next mm. four years is understanding about kind of the whole idea about um, housing development, what it takes and structures uh, and financing and, and all those things. Um, and I see. And then beyond housing, was that, I think it started in the 70s. So it was already going and then they recruited you or you knew somebody or, what, how to talk uh, so, yeah. so I knew the organization from <clears throat> my days at the housing authority okay. because, because uh, they had, they had rental housing um, that, that was available to people on section eight and they received um, grant funding from, from me actually um, to help, help develop, develop some more houses. So I knew about them. 
Okay. So back then, uh, and this was in the uh, again in the in the in the late eighties um, into the early nineties, um, they uh, the organization was known as Ecumenical Housing Production Corporation. Wow! A, wow. a, mar- a marketer's dream. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, it was about people people of all faiths coming together to produce affordable housing. Um, okay. So I knew about the organization. Um, the founder was retiring. Um, uh, so um, I've I've never never had lack of confidence, Steve, whether it was earned or not. I always had a little confidence that I that I, that I could do stuff. Um, so I put my hat in the ring. I was oh. terribly unqualified in a whole bunch of different ways, um, but I had some skills that they were looking for too. Um, okay. So I was I was able to, you know, convince them during the interview process that I knew what I didn't know, um, and I was going to get smart people around me and. You know, when, once you get started in, uh, in in new positions like this, um, you, you you find some mentors and you find some folks that can yeah. give you the kind of guidance and be humble. Mm. I, would, I always think leadership, Steve, is this interesting balance between hubris and humility. Right. It is. You have yep. you have to have you have to have confidence to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do that. We can do that. Um, and then figure out how to how the hell you make it happen. But be humble <laughs> enough. You know, like, look, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff I don't know. And I need some smart people around me. Um to help help move the organization forward and help us. And you were young. You were you were in your thirties, like early thirties when you when, I was, when you got the I job. Was, I was thirty one when I got the job. Um, so they as, that, as president, they, or you came in at something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I came in as CEO. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I could I could talk a good game, Steve. I could talk a good game. <laughs> so you're like, so, yes, I, yes, I got the job. And then the next morning, you wake up and you go, oh shit, I have no idea what I'm doing. So, so literally, literally, I made, I made, I made, I made two phone calls. The first one was to my then wife, which was great. Hey, honey, I got the job. The second call was to um, a guy I had just started taking um, some master's classes in public policy administration. There was this guy who ran the not-for-profit kind of institute at um, University of Missouri, St. Louis. And I called him up and I said, hey, John, they gave me the job. What do I do now? <laughs> so he gave me, I didn't know much about nonprofits, right? So he gave me a crash course in that my two week window before I accepted the job from when I started. And like, okay. you know, here's all the stuff you got to read. Here's the basic underpinning. So um, for the first year, I always tell people my main goal in life was just don't mess this up. Nope. Yeah. Don't get right? fired. Just don't right. get fired. First it's a good months. organization. Don't mess this up. And after about a year, I'm like, I think I can do this. Okay. I haven't messed, up, haven't messed this up yet. So let's let's see what we can do. And it's been a, again, it's been a great journey and a, and a great run. And we've evolved and changed pretty dramatically. And, um, you know, I've had uh, I've had some, uh, again, some great mentors and, uh, and and some great people on the way. Actually, the, the guy, the guy who actually hired me was president of the board just just passed away recently. Um, oh. Good, good, good guy. And, um, you know, his. Uh, his family knew how much I cared about him and how, and, and, and what, and again, what a great friend and mentor um, he was for me. So I got, yeah. I got to see him one last time right, right before he passed, but yeah, you, oh, very good. in life, if you're lucky, um, you, you get some people who um, see more in you than you really see in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, and they, and they help build you and they help grow you and um, mm-hmm. they give you time. Cause I think, um, uh, I think as, as, as I think, you know, the older, you, older we get, the one thing that, that we don't have enough of is time. And if, <laughs> that right. and if someone's willing to give you some of theirs um, to help you, um, it's a blessing, right? So yeah. I've, I've, I've been trying to pay that forward. Um, you know, for many years, um, uh, I had I had a couple mentors that that were just so kind and generous and and thoughtful and the kind of me- kind of mentors that never told me what to do, um, but always pushed me and challenged me to to think, all right, and to mm-hmm. and to and to work through whatever the, the challenge of the day was or whatever the issue was, um, and forced me like you know people aren't going to hand you stuff on a plate. That's not how the world works, no. right? But they they would do. That. The great Socratic method of they'd ask me a whole bunch of questions that I'd have to answer. Um, and then I'd, I'd work, I'd get to the place they wanted me to get to without them telling me that, hey, that's where you should have got, you know, three weeks ago, we started the doggone conversation. But the ask, um, the, the ask versus tell leadership style, which I think is great. Yeah. If you can, if you can lead people by asking questions instead of just telling them and giving them the list, it really develops them a lot faster. Love that. Yeah. Appreciate you yeah. sharing that. Yeah. Uh, 20 for the listeners, just so everybody knows, 29 years almost now, uh, getting close yep. to 30 years at Beyond Housing. Yep. And by, by the way, it's beyondhousing.org. 
Uh, they're in St. Louis. Um, now, Chris, would probably be a great time for you to kind of give us the, for the listeners, beyond housing, elevator pitch, three-minute overview, if you don't mind. Sure, sure. You know, Beyond Housing is a comprehensive community development organization um, whose mission is to strengthen families, transform communities, to create a more equitable, stronger, and prosperous St. Louis once and for all. The way we do that um, is that we have a targeted geography. It's in the entering suburbs here in St. Louis County, um, where we have a high degree of poverty, just like the urban core part of St. Louis. Um, we picked a school district geography because that's where the kids are. Uh, that's how property values are set. That's where some of our biggest problems still um, remain. Um, and then what we've done is uh, listen to the voice that people live here, right? So again, this whole idea of leadership by asking, same thing we do in our work, right? We have a methodology called Ask, Align, and Act. Ask the folks who live here, tell us, tell us about the place you call home. What are the issues? What are the problems? But more importantly, what are the solutions? Uh, this community told us over a decade ago, boy, we'd love to see our housing get better, our public education system get better, our access to healthcare get better, our, our ability to attract and retain jobs get better, and how can we have more economic development opportunities for our community of about 36,000 people that live here. So in this past decade plus, we've invested about $175 million in this community, building new homes for home ownership, building homes to add to our rental portfolio. Now we have about 500 units in our rental portfolio, uh, 400 single family homes and two senior buildings have about 100 units in them. We've rehabbed over a thousand existing homes, um, homes that are you know, uh, seniors and uh, disabled homeowners live there. They most of them have raised their kids there. Kids now are long gone. These are these kind of post-World War II modest bungalows um, that working families have lived in for, for, for several generations. But now the home is starting to wear and tear. Folks don't have the resources. So we've given our grants to, again, over a thousand existing homeowners, invested over $12 million in this particular piece of our work, right? Changing the built environment. We do economic development work. We've developed a grocery store, a movie theater, a health facility, um, a, a, a mixed-use commercial retail space. Um, again, we're doing the kinds of things that create a sense of place, a sense of, you know, how can we create a place where people want to live and want to stay and want to move to. I have 12 staff people embedded in the school systems um, working on um, all the issues that kids and their families face each and every day. Our school district um, is provisionally um, accredited, which means it's got lots of problems. 100% of the kids that go to our schools receive free and reduced lunch, which means 100% of the kids live in poverty. So our job there is to see what's preventing the kids from accessing uh, the educational opportunities the school system has for them. Sadly, kids are hungry. Sadly, kids need clean clothes. Sadly, kids need school uniforms and school supplies. Sadly, folks are worried about getting evicted, um, getting foreclosed, the car broke down, all the things in life that weigh heavy on families and make it difficult for children to be successful. We have a college savings program too up to high school. We've sent over 400 kids to college. Uh, we, nice. have well over, we have over 100 college graduates now. We have our first doctor. We have yeah. our first doctor. Um, uh, uh, he just finished his, uh, his doc, got his doctor of medicine from the U University of Missouri uh, at Columbia. And now he's heading to um, University of Wisconsin at Madison to, to do um, uh, to do his uh, his his uh, his, uh, his practical work. Um, so, again, he's uh, again, the, the, the program works. It incentivizes kids. We do college visits. We help with the dreaded FAFSA. We help with ACT prep. We help with, again, a whole series of, of, of uh, supports to help the kids and their families be successful. I have two community mm -hmm. health workers on staff focusing on asthma and diabetes, two chronic diseases that plague poor communities and poor communities of color. We run an after school program. We run a summer program. We run a baseball program with the St. Louis Cardinals called Redbird Rookies. Oh, cool. 150, kid, 150 kids playing uh, baseball um, every summer. Um, uh, again, we, we have a food pantry. We have computer labs. We invest in this community in a way that they say, this is what we need to live our best lives. Here are the resources that would be helpful um, to, again, allow us to achieve our dreams and, and, again, have this place that we call home be everything that, that we want it to be. So, again, as the name implies, it's not just housing. Housing is certainly the biggest piece of what we do, but we know healthy places aren't just about buildings. They're about the families and, 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 the, and the people that live there. It's about the educational system. It's about the infrastructure. It's about the sense of public safety. It's all those kinds of things that our organization plays a role in uh, day in and day out. And it's targeted in a school district, right? You're concentrated on a certain geographic area. Is that right? Right. right. So see, here, here's what we know. And, and this is true, quite frankly. There's not one region in the country, but this is not true that uh, as any region will, will, will have to admit, you're only going to progress so far if you keep leaving so many people behind. 
right? So, so, yeah. so to the to the extent that we have failed as as a country in how do we tackle the issues of poverty and what it does to people and place. So mm-hmm. what we're trying to do is create a model um, that says, here's how you get after what poverty does to a place and the people that, that live there. And it's not about gentrification, about, you know, having property values rise because you're close to downtown or you're close to something else, right? No, it's about actually improving that situation of that place for the people that live there first and foremost. And if you attract other people, great. But if we don't do this, we believe yet again, there's another generation of kids that we're going to lose. There's another generation of who knows who could have been there, right? What doctor, what scientist, what, 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 right. what tech guy, right? Mm-hmm. Who knows all, 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 these, all these opportunities that have been lost because, again, we didn't invest in our children, in our community. So every day out my window here, um, I see kids walking to and from school. Uh, we have an elementary school r- right down the street. We built about 100 homes in about a four block radius of where I'm at right now. We built a park. Um, we have our first senior building. Um, the kids deserve better than they're getting today from all of us adults. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it mo- motivates and drives me every day that, you know, collectively, we all have to do better. Collectively, we have to be willing to, um, to again, change the status quo. Um, you know, our, our, uh, the phrase we use now is once and for all. Um, I'm tired of, I've been doing this for almost 30 years now. I'm, I'm tired of having good individual success because we've had lots of success, helping people become homeowners, moving families along, sending kids to college, building new homes, a lot of great have a lot of great success that that we that we deem on some levels transactional mm-hmm. are but, you but we want to do tra- transformational work at at the community level so we can have transformational outcomes and we can have community level change i want to ask you a bunch of questions but before we do that what is and there's another website called onceandforall.org and how is that tied into beyond yeah. housing or different yeah, it's, it's tied in, right? So once and for all is, is, is our campaign. So what we're trying to do is, is tell the St. Louis region and others that, look, this, this idea we have, this approach, this methodology, the success we've had is not just for our community. It's for the entire St. Louis region. And we think it's replicatable all across the country. So we didn't, we didn't want to narrow the discourse to one small place. We wanted the conversation to be big. We wanted the, 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 the content to be big. Um, the way the way we're pitched this out in the community is, again, we do things a different way. Um, so the way, way, way we pitch it in the community, we will continue to pitch it, is a not-for-profit IPO. So okay. the idea here is, uh, the, you know, the way IPOs work in the, in, the, in, the, in the private sector, the for-profit world is strong company, strong product, strong management team, strong balance sheet, but doesn't have the annual revenue growth to see scalable uh, work inside that company. Well, that's us on a not-for-profit basis, right? I see. So, okay. so, so, so what we want to do is have people invest in us. And now you can get an ROI with us too, right? So the idea of, a, of an IPO is you, you get a return. So look, if I build housing, rehab housing, if I build a grocery store and a movie theater, I'm borrowing money from somebody um, to get that done. Mm-hmm. If, you're willing to, if you want to lend us money at a below market interest rate, um, then I'm going to pay you back. I see. And, and you can check my financials. You know, we're good for it. I see. Um, I see. But you can okay. also, but, but you can also get an ROI in human terms, right? Uh, yeah. I can well, that's, tell, the, that's I, the biggest part. I, yeah. That's. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the. I'll, I'll show you the improvement of lives of kids who come to our after-school program. I can show you the reduction in the recidivism rate of folks going back to the ER. Um, through our community health worker program by helping them again lead a healthier life. I can show you the increase in property values when we build new homes. I can show you the healthier lives that seniors live when they live in our senior buildings, right? You have a whole lot of metrics around an ROI if you help fund the growth and scalability of, uh, of our human service delivery system, but not only us, but many of my not-for-profit partners that work with us. So you're funded by the don- private donations, grants, and you're also uh, you're earned earnings. income. What? What's that? Earned income. Yeah, okay. earned income, right? Yeah, we're, we we own a lot of real estate, and people pay us rent. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So the real estate um, is a is a is a profit model for you because you you use the money to buy these houses, fix them up, and then they pay rent, and then you're you're gaining some margin back on that. Am I so, understanding? Some margin. Yeah, yeah, some margin. The, the, there ain't a lot. If there was a lot, I'd be doing a lot more of it. But there's, yeah, there's some margin. But, but, but again, given where we operate, the backside valuation is not yet strong enough to give me a bigger margin. Now, the hope is over time. that yes. again, a- asset valuation goes up and we, yes. and we derive the benefit of that long term. 
Okay. And you mentioned ROI. So you t- you're telling me that if I donate, there's some sort of return on investment back to me as, as a private uh, donator. Did I understand that correctly? So it all depends on, on what kind of ROI you want. If you want a financial return, I'll plug you into my real estate development work and we'll say, okay, if you lend me, if you lend me X amount of dollars at a below market interest rate, we have a peg to one third of the Wall Street Journal Prime. I'm going to pay you back over the terms and conditions that we agreed. If you invest in us and if, and again, if you invest in the people side of it, you can count on me on an annualized basis telling you here's the, here is the return on your investment in people's lives. And again, if we, if, and if we don't perform, because one of the things not-for-profits aren't really good at is if we don't perform, there should be a price to pay, mm. right? Again, you can't keep asking people for money if you're not delivering what you said you're going to do, mm-hmm. right? So I'm a, I'm a big fan of hold us accountable. I hold my team accountable for, you know, the, we've, we've owned our programmatic work for, for a whole a lot of years now. And we're pretty confident mm-hmm. that if we get the right resources, we can see a change in, uh, in somebody's life. And we're going we're gonna to mm-hmm. reflect that to you on an annualized basis. And again, that's your ROI. Is a large part of your job as the CEO and president fundraising, or do you spend a lot of time talking to family offices and wealthy individuals and saying, "Hey, John, I need, come on, man, I need." I need- I'm the I'm the I'm the lead salesman. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it, right? That's that's just look. That's just the job. Um, you know, again, so much of, of any not-for-profit's um, uh, capacity is the resources it can generate. And the only way you generate resources is by telling the story, telling the story, telling the story. Now, we, we historically have not done a lot of federal funding intentionally because of okay. uh, all the bureaucracy. And But okay. we know now okay. if we, we want to get to scale, we have to. So the last three to five years, we've gotten grants from the Department of Justice working with some of our local police departments. We've gotten um, grants from the EPA. I didn't, didn't tell you, I have the forestry division um, in, in, in our work here in this community. We oh. planted over a thousand, we planted over a thousand trees in this community. We pruned over 2000 trees and we've taken down 800 um, trees that were uh, sick and dying. The, oh. oh, cool. Uh, help, a healthy tree canopy does a whole bunch of stuff, including take, taking toxins out of the air because we know uh, low-income kids struggle with asthma on a regular basis. And, and asthma is one of the biggest reasons why kids miss school. So, again, mm-hmm. the, whole, the whole idea here is, again, how do you invest and look at all the things across what makes up a, a successful, vibrant and healthy place? Mm, very good. Uh, I want to ask you some questions here on you know, the emotional aspect of it, you've probably seen, I mean, you could probably tell stories for hours and hours and hours about families and kids and devastating stories, right? Um, is there, do you want, is there, is there a couple of success stories in particular beyond the doctor that you mentioned? Is there a couple sure, that you want to sure. share? Yeah. 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 One of, one of my favorites and it's, it's, it's living out in front of us um, uh, as we speak. So, so right now my, um, my office is in an old renovated school building. That's but it's a 42,000 square foot circa 1937 school building um, that we bought from the school district about eight years ago when they were in jeopardy of going bankrupt. Um, So we had to buy some of their vacant assets. Um, So in the space um, we have, we have about a hundred full-time staff here at Beyond Housing, but I I have my maintenance guys in another building. I have other staff kind of in the field. So I have some, some space here to rent. So one of our new renters is a brand new um, not-for-profit called the Children's Therapeutic Center. Uh, They do, um, you know, mental health uh, trauma uh, counseling for kids under the age of five. Mm. So the, the, the story behind this is the, the woman uh, who runs it, uh, her name is Tawana Jones. Um, uh, she's in her mid-30s at this point. Uh, she grew up uh, in our rental housing. Her and her, four, her and her three sisters and her mom came to us um, when she was probably eight, nine years old, uh, and they were homeless um, and came to us, and, and we helped the family out, and we helped mom get back on her feet, and we helped her get some job skills and helped her with some job training, and we actually employed her for a while, and she wound up just being wildly successful. She wound up buying her own home, moving out of our, our rental house. All nice. four of the girls have college degrees, all three of them. Um, wow. uh, Three of them are homeowners. Uh, Tawana has her master's in social work. She's worked at St. Louis Children's Hospital for over a decade. Uh, and now she wants to come back um, and give back. Um, and she has, an office. she has an office in our building. And I, and I see her on a regular basis. And I've That's literally wonderful. known her since, literally have known her since she was, you know, uh, you know, probably, I think it was eight or nine when, when, when she and I first met way wow. back in the day. I love that. I um, love that. Great. That's a, that, that's a full circle story around, you know, again, 
if you invest and care about people, um, they can they can do great things. Um, and, and we don't we don't invest enough in people. We don't care enough about um, our neighbors. We spend a ridiculous amount of money on a whole bunch of other things. With the irony being, we, we all we all benefit, right? When people do well, we all benefit. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a pretty simple concept. And where mm-hmm. where the money in our country goes is sometimes just staggering. And I don't quite understand it. Um, but again, yeah, I want to I want to ask you about that. Um, let me let me let me do this. Has there there had to be times when you went home at night after seeing something devastating, and you go home to your children, your wife, and your your home, and and you know you just well up with emotion, right? Because you 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 had to you walked away from seeing a very tragic tragic situation of severe poverty, and then you go home to your family, and you're feeling super blessed. Um, and you're tearing up about, you know, what you walked away from that day. There had to be a lot of that. I don't know how you handle that emotionally. So there, there is, but for me, it's, it's all about, I, I know what we're doing is making a difference. And, okay. and my driver is how do we, how do we do more, right? How do we get better at it? Right. Okay. How do I tell, how do I tell the story so other people care enough to support us? Um, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't let myself, get down too often or too deep because yeah. I knew my, I knew my job is to make sure I'm lifting everybody else. Right. right As a leader, right. look, everybody's True. looking at you. Right. Look, the moment, look, if my demeanor even changes slightly, people are like, you okay? What's mm. wrong? I'm like, mm. I'm okay. right. Mm. So, you know, people are always, you know, and look, it's like your children. They may not always, always listen to what you're saying, but they're watching you, right? Oh, it's a good point. Right, good point. right. So, 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 so again, point. as a leader, I, I am real clear that I, I set the tone. Um, and if I, if, if people hear me getting down, if people hear me, you know, bitch and moan about, oh, this is not working and that's not working, and um, woe is us, then they're, 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 gonna, they're gonna mimic that. What they hear from me all the time is, um, I, I, one, give me your best. Okay. Uh, give, give me the best you got every day as an organization. We're going to support you. We're going to care about you. We're going to do right by you. But in return, I, I need your best because the people we serve need us to be at our best every day. And if I don't exhibit that, um, then everyone else can say, well, why should I do it if, if that guy doesn't do it? Does it bother you to see the gap in wealth from from severe poverty to then sitting down at dinner with a billionaire to ask them to donate does it do do you look at that from a from a holistic perspective and think damn this is like this just doesn't seem right i got i'm sitting next to a billionaire asking him to write a check meanwhile i just walked away from a family that can't even afford housing and it should be so, more balanced does that bother you yeah yep yep Yep, the inequities of, of of opportunity is is the biggest issue for me, Steve. It's not as if that billionaire, and maybe it's all earned and you know bootstrap, but I'm a lot, of, a lot of times it's not. A lot of times it's not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The um, so uh, what 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 I try to tell people is, um, imagine if you live this life, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And you grew up in, in this situation. Please, mm-hmm. please tell me that. Oh yeah, you'll be right where you're at today. No. No, no, that's not no. maybe. Right. And no. it doesn't mean you, you haven't worked hard. And that doesn't mean any of that. It just means let's be clear. Um, the, the, the challenges that so many poor folks face, black or white uh, or brown or urban, suburban, rural, doesn't matter. Right. Mm-hmm. To systemically get past where you're at the day you were born is extremely difficult and it's rare. Mm-hmm. And we we as a country um should be saying we need to level off the, the equity of opportunity. So yes, it's going to be more about your talent, your skill, your hard work, your dedication than it is who are your parents and what zip code were you born in? Mm-hmm. If you had a magic wand, this might be, this is going to be a sensitive topic. I don't know if you want to answer this one. If you had a magic wand, would you take all the money from everybody in the world and kind of even it out for an even play, even playing field and have a, have a, what they call a uh, uh, universal pay for everybody and kind of spread the money evenly. I don't know if I'm using the right words. Would you do that yeah, if, you could, um, if, you, if you had the, if yeah. you had the power? I, now, look, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of, Oh, you know, communism or socialism, right? Where we're all the same. Right. 
But what I think is important is we have the same opportunities to achieve great things. Okay. And, and right now, those opportunities don't, don't exist. So the challenge becomes, how do we go from where we're at today, which was kind of a bastardizing of our system, right? Where we let capitalism run, run amok, right? Capitalism works if there's, if there's the right guardrails. Capitalism mm. can't be unfettered because we see what happens. So put mm. up the right guardrails without being too intrusive to allow ingenuity and innovation and, and entrepreneurialism and hard work, right? All of that still should be the case, but everybody should have that opportunity. Mm. And right now, if you're born in a low-income community, the prospect of you doing well in life is so significantly different than if you were born in, in a wealthy community. I mean, wh why, why do we fund our public schools based upon the, the local tax base? We're just going to continue to then say that places that have money will continue to have the best educational opportunities, will continue to have more family stability, will continue to have, again, more opportunities offered to the children of that place than that place that's five miles down the road that uh. typically typically will be a community of color, typically. Uh, mm -hmm. There are certainly a lot of rural poor places too that have the same issues that people of color do who are living in poverty. Um, mm -hmm. That place does not have the same, uh, again, equity of opportunity. That again, so, yours- So you would, not, would you change that if you had the opportunity? Would you say, hey, pub, look- The public school funding, I would. What I would okay. do public school funding is from a tax-based standpoint, let's level it off. And look, okay. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm okay giving a bit of a vig to those who, who got, you know, again, who have higher property values and want a little bit more, but it'd be, it should be a whole heck of a lot closer than, than it is now. Because if, if it's meant to be public education, right? And the mm -hmm. idea of public is that, that there's a degree of equity involved there, right? Mm -hmm. And if we don't, and again, invest in our kids, like, like what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen to our communities and to our country if we don't invest in our kids? If we only invest in a portion of our kids, mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't make any sense. Look, we know the science says, High quality pre-K is the best thing we can do for our children. Mm. The science is in. No okay. more research is needed necessary. Okay. As a country, do we do, we do it? No. Let me ask you much, this. Right? Let me ask you this. Would you, um, you see poverty every day. Does it bother you that, this is another touchy one. I don't know if you want to, you want to skip this one, but does it bother you that we sent $40 billion to Ukraine when you need a lot of money right there in your own neighborhood? Does that, does, when you see stuff like that, what's your, what's your emotional so, so, reaction? To yeah. That? Yeah. So, so again, I, I, I wish we didn't have to, I wish we could put that money here. I wish we could make 40 billion happen for communities we work in as fast as they made 40 happen for Ukraine. But I understand why, if we're going to live up to who we say we are, right. If we're going to live up to that, 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 that precept that we're the greatest nation on the planet, we have to do that kind of stuff, but not at the exclusion of taking care of communities mm. back home. Mm. See, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of an and both versus either or, mm. right? Mm. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not, look, I'm not an economist. I'm not terribly, terribly worried about deficits. Last I checked, we always have, we always have a way to pay our bills, right? So I'm not worried about deficits. Now, that doesn't mean to, to run amok and, and not have any sense of what the deficit looks like, right? But the way our economy works is we can rack up a pretty good deficit and over time, it, there'll, there'll be some equilibrium. If we, imagine if we invested in neighborhoods and kids, the reduction in our prison system, the uh, increase in educational opportunities, the increase in the num number of, of smart, talented people who are gonna be in all of our industries. Imagine what that, economic boost will be for all of us if we invest in those that we are not investing in now. It's not and rocket why, science, right? And why don't and why don't we and didn't we just prove as a country the last two years that we can just print money anytime we want to to pay for whatever during COVID? And why can't we right. just make that type of investment in these neighborhoods? Why can't we do that right now? Right, right. And and be smart, be wise. And we can, right? We look, yeah. I think one of our biggest problems in our country now is we are bereft of leadership. Mm. Uh, yeah. Certainly in the public, certainly in the public sector. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, that's you know, a, a pox on both their houses, right? Yeah. Um, on in terms of in terms of not doing the kinds of things to actually lead and govern, and again, allow us to live up to you know, we are we are the greatest nation, um, you know, in the in, in in the world. When you look at our uh, the data on our uh, quality of life and metrics, we're not the greatest nation in the country. Come on. Yeah. When you look at we look at health, when you look at income, when you I mean, there's a whole series of things. We're nowhere close mm. to being the greatest nation on the country. Now, do we have do we have the greatest capitalist system that generates the most income? Yep. Does that make us the greatest country on the planet in terms of how we take care of each other? It does not. Ooh, that's right? a good one. That's a good one right there, Chris. You know, 
I, I, um, yeah, I'm not a socialist either, and I or a, or a communist or anything like that. And I, I would also have a problem with leveling uh, income across the planet uh, for everybody. I, I, I don't, yeah, I, I would have a problem voting for that. But I will say this, and by the way, generally, I lean uh, kind of right middle uh, most of the time. But I will say, I was in Naples, Florida, a couple of years ago, and I don't know if you've been to Naples, but you can go from extreme wealth to poverty in about five minutes. <laughs> if you're, if you're going from the, from the coastline on the Bay sure. side inland. And sure. I remember, I remember driving that route because I was down there for some business and, and I, and I, I just, I, I just had this very deep emotional feeling like, man, this just doesn't seem right. Like I, as a human being, I just went from extreme wealth and now I'm pulling into this little convenience store and watching, you know, four uh, Hispanic guys climb out of the back of a truck that just got done, you know, working yards all day. And I just, it bothered me. Like it bothered me. And I, and I have, I have, so I don't know what the answer is, but I, but I do know that, that when I see that, I think, man, can't we do better? Can't, can't we do better? Well, look, well, I mean, I mean like Steve, like why do we have a problem with homelessness in this country? Yeah. Why do we? Why do we? <laughs> because we, we don't invest in producing homes. Exactly. Right. right? Well, that, that, look, that... look, so, so here, here, here's a fact for your listeners. The, the department uh, in, in our government where we produce more affordable housing than any other, any, any, other, any other arm of the government is the IRS. You know why? Because they give out tax credits. Uh-huh. It's not HUD. It's not anybody else. Mm. Right. Mm, if, mm. If, if we believe in it, then we need to invest in it, right? Too many of us have become so jaded now when we see homeless folks that we just turn a blind eye, right? It's like wallpaper now. Well, you, we just kind of see that. That's, that's, that's somebody's son. That's somebody's daughter. That's, that's, that's somebody's father. That's somebody's mother. Um, and I don't know their story. And I don't know their journey. And I'm not going to, you know, cast aspersions. I don't know. Who, who, am I, yeah. who am I to say? But if, if, if your life has gotten you to the place where you're panhandling on the corner and you get ignored by, I'm going to say, 98% yeah. of the people who you look at and the degradation that you have to go through every day to get people to give you a little bit of help. Mm. I'm like, I, I, I don't care what you do with the dollar bill, the five I give you. I don't care. Right. Mm. If life has gotten that mm. bad, who am I to say what your story is? Um, but what I do know is at, as a country. You should have a place to live. Doesn't not have to be grand and glorious, but you shouldn't be on this street corner with a cardboard sign saying, you know, God bless you. Please help me. Come on. And should this, you and should no you and should you have to contribute back in some way to get that housing? Should you have to do something besides yes. okay. Yeah. 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 You can't just you can't you can't just sit on no. the couch and watch TV all day. No, you gotta do no, something. No, no. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. I mean, look, there's there, there, again, there's there's this stigma that folks don't want to work um, and who just want somebody to tell, pay the bills. Is, is there a small portion? Of course. Right. But, it, but is that most? It's, answer? it's no. not the majority. It's not the majority. No, no, no. no. And, and you know what? We're talking about mental illness. We're talking about drug issues, we're talking about all different kinds of things that treat that stuff, right? Treat that mm-hmm. real life stuff mm-hmm. to help people get back on their feet and give them an opportunity to live their best possible lives. And I guarantee you a significant majority of them will do that. Everybody knows. You've seen you that. You've seen that. Yeah, that's oh good. To, that's good. That's good to hear. So when yeah. you see, and I know we're getting, we're bumping up on time, but I want to get this in. When you see a mother with a child that needs housing and they're in, and she's in a bad situation, most of the time, is it A, because, we're, because of where she was born and the family she grew up in, B, because of her color of her skin, or C, because of a mental problem? Is, I'm wondering how big the mental aspect is versus where they were born. It's, it's mostly A and B, but C is growing pretty dramatically. Okay. Um, yeah, the mental aspect, because I, I had a guy on the podcast recently, and he said, he said, hey, look, he's like, here's the deal. People don't choose to be homeless unless there's a mental, if there's a mental problem, then yes, sometimes they'll want to be homeless or they think they want to be homeless because they just want to live on the street because there's a mental problem. But, but, but folks that don't have a mental issue, 
don't want to be homeless. No, that- no, no, <laughs> no. Who wants that? Like, that's not a life. Look, nobody wants to be poor. Be right. poor is hard, right? Yeah, right. Who, who right. wants to struggle every day? I mean, yeah. literally, I'm like, yeah. look, you and I may have our challenges every now and again, right? But mm. imagine, imagine if you were living in poverty and every day was a struggle. I mean, look, look, the strength it takes to get up one more time when you know, when you know what's ahead of you, it's going to be hard as hell. And to have the strength to keep doing that, to keep doing that, um, the the resilience that it takes, um, the grit that it takes is, I think, a a lot more than a lot of us folks who've gotten, who've had the the luxury of having parents who cared about them and having lots that have been supportive along the way. Uh, Two last questions. Um, this first, the first, the first of these two could, we could do an hour on, but I just want you to give me, try to give me a short answer. If you were the governor of California right now today, what would you do about all these tents and, and these homeless people, especially the ones specifically that are in Ventura, California or whatever, and they're popping tents on the lawns of million dollar homes and, and, so you got all these rich people that are pissed off because the tents are along the grass. Like, what would you do about that if you were the governor of California? Well, well, well again, it's 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 this mismatch between supply and demand, right? It's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a business challenge, right? So again, uh, because of housing prices and what people can pay, because again of the inequity of opportunities, unless we find out where is that gap that produces more 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 units and gets people access to more resources so they can pay, uh, mm-hmm. again, something that resembles market rate, we're going to continue to have the problem. We've mm-hmm. let this, we've let this kind of this, look, this elasticity of, 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 of supply and demand has gotten so tight that mm-hmm. we got this big giant gap, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it didn't happen overnight. We can't fix it overnight. Mm-hmm. California has tried to put a lot of money in housing production. It ain't enough, right? Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. on the flip side, they got to put money in how are we training folks, educating folks so they can earn an income that can allow them to pay something that resembles market rate. Again, mm-hmm. it's about investment in things that we know work. Right. So, again, it's this once and for all idea. Right. To to invest in families. What do you what, what do they need? Right. Well, that they need a good underpinning. You need, you need family stability. So what's going on in the family? You need housing stability. You need financial stability. And then again, you need neighborhood stability. All those things we know how to do if we have the courage to invest. It's not about money alone. It's about how that money is invested and how do you understand the fabric that makes up a, fe- a healthy family and a healthy community and only invest in those things that's going to promote that healthy family and that healthy neighborhood. I wish more people that had money would get involved. It really bothers me, especially, and I live in Colorado for the listeners. You know, when I'm talking to one of my millionaire friends that live in Boulder, Colorado, and they're virtue signaling about how they want to help homeless people. Meanwhile, if a tent plopped in their front yard, they'd be pissed off and they wouldn't do anything about it. Right. And so yep. I just wish yep. more people would get wish more people would get tactically involved. So last question here, um, Chris, I could keep you on the podcast for another two hours. Uh, great, great interview. Um, how do you define in a sentence like your core purpose in life moving forward from here. What is, if you had to describe that or put it in a sentence, what does it sound like for Chris, your core purpose? So, so where I'm, where, where I'm at today, um, it's, um, and I'm not a religious guy, um, okay. but, 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 I, but, I, but I do love uh, Micah 6, 8, which is do justice, love mercy and walk humbly. Mm. So the idea, the idea of do, of do justice is, is this work, right? I think it is just to help people live their best possible. I think it's just um, to, again, build affordable housing and support kids in schools and help families be healthy. Um, um, Again, love mercy, right? At the end of the day, again, our generation, my dad's generation didn't use the word love a lot because it just wasn't (laughs) a thing. You got that right, buddy. (laughs) Wasn't wasn't a thing, right? Um, I, I tell lots of people now that I love them that probably 20 years ago, I wouldn't even thought about saying it. Because I think it's important. I just think important. We, we, have, we, have to, we have to take care of it so we have to love each other. Um, and then walk humbly, right? So at the end of the day, um, look, we're, we're, we only have a short time on this spinning thing we're on. Um, yeah. And if we, go, if we go through it being humble and 
um, recognizing we've been blessed in a lot of ways. And if we could give those blessings forward and um, uh, improve somebody's day, whether that's a simple thing you do each and every day, or if it's a big thing you spend your life doing, both things are needed and necessary. Chris, thank you so much for sharing your story on the Rider Flex podcast. I really appreciate it. It's great. Great being with you, Steve.